Okay, Josh, how are you getting on? Yeah, not bad, not bad. It's been busy. It's been a busy couple of days. Um, winding down for the second day now. Uh, Nicola's made our guest appearance. She's outside doing a media huddle. So right. been, it's been a lot busier today and a lot louder today than it was yesterday, which is good. Right, okay. And are you still doing, are you still doing contributions to Untribal? Are you just going missing now? What's your, what's uh, your it just depends how much you've, the fee's gone up, cost a living. <laughs> so is Nicola still on the show today a wee bit then? I think it's tricky. I think um, I think there was always going to be a big circle around Nicola. She's been so prominent for so long and then vanished, uh, essentially, since she was uh, since she resigned. Um, I think it would be unfair to put that on Nicola, though Nicola very much came in and tried to walk through the hall, but there was just cameras surrounding her. It was a, it was a bigger stampede than I seen for her last year. Um, for sure I think because there is so much unanswered questions surrounding her um, I'm yet to see any of the interviews I don't think any of them gone out yet but even now so she arrived at uh, half one so it's been two hours um, she thinks she did half an hour outside and then she went into the hall for the tribute um, and for Keith Brown's speech and then she's been back outside for another hour doing media non-stop as well wow. um, so there's a lot of people trying to get a hold of her yeah, I can imagine. Well, if she wants to be um appearance on Untribal Podcast, tell her, exactly, uh, exactly. tell her she can reply to my, my LinkedIn <laughs> message from last year. But <laughs> uh, no, so the the big talking point, Josh, is obviously the facto mm-hmm. uh, or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, the plan for independence. Um, now, uh. they're now they're now saying a majority of seats, which was backed uh, mm-hmm. by a big majority yesterday. What's what's the yeah. chat with that? What's the lowdown? I think uh, yesterday was a long. Debate. I think it went on for a, a good couple of hours at least. Um, I know a lot of agenda items got moved or cancelled altogether to make space for the independence debate, which, to be fair, is right and proper. I think that's the big reason we're all here. It's the big reason we're all in this party. Um, yeah. I mean, long story short, the de facto referendum idea that was floated around last year is is, is dead in the water essentially. Um, the new plan is the majority of seats as uh, a new mandate to start afresh to start for negotiations. Um, provided that fails be it we fail to get the majority seats or it fails to convince Westminster, the following Holyrood election would then become another attempt for a mandate um, to either start negotiations or right. begin the independence process, essentially. Right. Um, it's definitely a big change from what Nicola had suggested um, previously, but you know she's came out today in full support of it. And I think it's important that regardless of whether you prefer Nicola or Hamza or Kate or Ash, um, it's important to recognise that this idea was was put in front of the delegates here at conference and it, and it passed very overwhelmingly with some amendments passing unanimously, which is is rare for something as as polarising as independence, even within our own party. Mm. And what what's the kind of voting process for that? Do you all just stand up and put your hand in the air, or what happens? Essentially, yeah. So you get a person that proposes and a person that seconds, and then they open the floor up to anybody that wants to ream it back or any direct negatives. Um, and you hear from from people from all branches across the country, um, councillors, MPs, MSPs, regular members, uh, trade unionists, and they all get up to make their points. Um, most of the time we try and go until there's nobody left to speak, obviously with something like independence. There was, I think, seven amendments for the original proposal, so there was a lot of people speaking. Um, but you hear as much as you can, and then, yeah, it's very much a case of you raise your voting card, which is this why the lanyards are so huge. Um, raise your voting card to vote yes or vote against. Um, and most of the time it's very clear-cut, yes or no. 
I think uh, I've not really been here for any decisions that have had to go to a further count. But um, but yeah, that's basically it. That's it. And was there any concerns raised uh, for the prospect um, of the scenario where wherein less than fifty percent of the people uh, uh, vote uh, for 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 the SNP? You do get a majority of seats in spite of that. And you press on with independence and negotiations as a result, even though there's less and more most of the population saying we don't want it. Uh, yeah, there was definitely some uh, controversy around that. There was a uh, there was actually an amendment um, that I think sought to change the wording from majority of seats to majority of the vote, but it was it wasn't passed unfortunately. Um, um, essentially, the reason was that in any other yeah here amendment E um, delete the most and insert a majority of the. Um, so essentially to get 50% or above as opposed to the majority of seats. But um, it was defeated mostly due to the fact that the argument was in any other election for any other party, a win would be the majority of seats. And it has now got to the point where this, the SNP and the independence movement is so used to being voted down and silenced that we're now almost going over and above to create extra mandates that wouldn't be required for anybody else. Um, you know, if the shoe was on the other foot and we were independent and there was a Conservative and Unionist party voting to get us back in, they would absolutely operate on a on a belief of majority of the seats as opposed to majority of the vote. And so I think it is just a case of the SNP are a little bit sick of holding themselves to a higher standard than everybody else. Okay. And there is obviously a faction of the party that are disappointed that you're still going cap in hand for a Section 30 yeah. order in yeah, the definitely. case of a majority of seats. What was, what was their kind of voice at conference? How have they been heard? They were definitely heard. There was a few speakers on the stage that were very um, that weren't very content with asking for Westminster. I think the issue that we have though is that in order for us to have a legal and binding referendum or a legal and binding decision made on independence, there isn't much option but to negotiate with Westminster. Um, obviously, the results of the election, be it next year or early the year after, um, are key to this. You know, if we get a Labour minority government, we've got a lot more swing than if we get a Tory majority. God forbid, but. Um, I think it's tricky. I think I think the way that the system is designed, rightly or wrongly, um, there isn't much choice but to coerce a Westminster government into allowing a referendum. And I think that this seems, at least from my point of view, that the, like a last ditch, a last ditch attempt of let's speak to Westminster, let's get another mandate and speak to Westminster. And I think that if if by the time we have conference next year, we've had our AI general election we've won a majority of the seats and we then go and ask Westminster and reject it again, I think we'll have a totally different picture. And I, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if we came away without a much severe, much more severe independence strategy. Um, I have no idea what that would look like, but I would be surprised if we, we again voted to allow Westminster to hold the reins, essentially. And what happens if uh, the majority of seats is only made up from SNP plus parties like Alba and the Greens? So this is tricky. Again, there was an amendment yesterday that uh, suggested that the majority of the seats should go with pro-independence parties as opposed to just the SNP. Um, that was Joanna Cherry's amendment. That was Joanna Cherry's second amendment um, that she later withdrew herself from um, because she did a speech basically saying she'd had a lot of conversations with Hamza and Stephen and that in order to maintain unity around that there needs to be come and go from her side and their side. And essentially she stepped back from that amendment, but people did still speak for it. I think it's a good point that's important to to note. Um, 
for other parties. And I think if we if we come to that situation where the majority can only be made up for other parties, it, it's very dependent on the situation. But I think the way that the party seen at a conference was that we are only in control of ourselves. So we are doing this on the effect that the first line in our manifesto will be a vote for the SNP is a vote for an independent Scotland. Provided that Alba and Greens follow a similar and any other independence party follow a similar layout, there is the argument for using that as a mandate. If the Greens or Alba, I mean, I doubt Alba would, but the Greens have other priorities as well as independence. If the Greens hadn't had it first and foremost in their manifesto, I think it would be really tricky to argue the same level of independence desire for a Green voter as there was for an SNP voter in a situation. I think that was the main, the main issue that came up yesterday at a conference that resulted in the amendment not passing. How much has the cost of living crisis and the NHS been mentioned at conference, Josh? Uh, I have to say the NHS um, was mentioned a lot. Keith Brown's just done his uh, address to the conference uh, and he mentioned it. Um, mentioned it in a very, very much in the way of um, the SNP are introducing a new rebuttal unit in HQ and that primarily that's what they've dealt with so far has been issues surrounding the NHS because there's been a lot of talk about how the NHS in Scotland is not good or if it's worse than England. And the issue is, the, the, the thing that nobody is looking at is that England's NHS is performing worse than Scotland's and is on a downward trend um, and Scotland's is on an upward trend. Um, so, you know, there's not there's been a few um, proposals about the NHS. There's still a few to come later today and tomorrow. Um, but it's been very well noted that the cost of living, especially in Rutherglen, um, door-to-door in Rutherglen, the cost of living crisis in the NHS are the key priorities for the people of Scotland just now. That's what keeps coming up door after door after door in every meeting. Um, so it's definitely something that's getting a lot of consideration. Um, and it's definitely not something that's slipping down the SNP's priorities, as far as I can tell. Mm. And how much uh, has been mentioned of Rutherglen and Hamilton West and uh, also the switch uh, of Lisa Cameron to the, to the Tories? I have to say, aside from one interview, I think on BBC... Um, with Mary McAllen, I haven't heard Lisa Cameron mentioned at all. Um, however, Rutherglen has been mentioned. Stephen Flynn did a really good speech at the open of yesterday, um, basically just laying out where we are just now and where we've come from the last conference. And, you know, we do have a lot of problems currently and there's a lot of teething issues um, and we're not in the best place. And that's it's been very recognised. Rutherglen is a big learning curve for us. It's, as Stephen Flynn said, you know, it's very humbling for the party but that is one of the, the many benefits to a democratic process like an election. And, you know, it, it stops anybody who was taking SNP wins for granted from taking them for granted. These votes are not guaranteed. Um, I think it's worth noting that Rutherglen is a very specific... It kind of exists in its own bubble. It has switched between us and Labour several times. And also the reason we are the reason for the by-election. It was one of our party members that acted completely out of turn there's it's indefensible the way that, that she acted um and so that does leave a sour taste in the SNP voters mouth absolutely and I think that a lot of Rutherglen was disgruntled SNP voters wanting to make their voice heard and then Labour voters knowing they could capitalize on this and get a win and I think actually if you look at the numbers Labour won this election on less votes than they got last time um so I don't think it's a catastrophic defeat for the SNP. I think it's a humbling defeat. I think we need to recoup like we are at conference, recognise that these things are big issues, but also just power ahead. I think as long as we don't, as long as we take it in our stride and don't become complacent, I think the Rutherglen will be a really good learning curve for us.
What's the agenda for the rest of the time, Josh? Um, to be fair, it's quite varied. Um, just now they're doing a, uh, they're doing a proposal on rural and island connectivity. Um, we've got one. The next one is protect our NHS and public services. Um, and then it's an internal session for the rest of the day. And then we've got a few more, um, a few more proposals tomorrow on. Uh, things like improved care and support for disabled people, improved mental health support and trauma, uh, and of course the very controversial dueling of the A9 and the A96. Um, so lots of debate still to come. Um, and then obviously tomorrow we will close our conference with a speech from Hamza Yusuf. Um, so a lot more to come. Cheers, Josh.